Welcome to another edition of the Read More Podcast, the show that brings readers and writers together. I'm Marva Hinton. Today I'm in Washington, D.C. at the AWP conference with my guest, Sari Wilson. Sari, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Your debut novel, Girl Through Glass, tells the story of Mira a girl growing up in New York City in the 70s who is singled out at an early age because of her talent as a ballerina. When she was 11, Maurice, a man who is obsessed with ballet, takes what I see as an unhealthy interest in her and her career. The novel also tells the story of Kate, a mature woman who's working as a dance professor at a school in Ohio. You can win a free signed copy of Girl Through Glass on our website, readmorepodcast.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Sari, like Mira, you studied ballet as a child. And when you write about dance, it just really comes alive on the page. And I felt like I was, you know, on the stage or in the studio with you and the dancers during those scenes. As a former dancer, what was it like for you to write about dance? I mean, was it challenging for you to transfer something so physical to the page? Yes, absolutely. Um, well, first of all, I'm gratified by by your response. Um, one of my goals with this book was to try to bring the experience of dance, the physicality of dance, um, as I experienced it. Um, as a child and a young person onto the page. And, you know, I, I started writing creatively after I left the dance world in my 20s. So I really, I understand now after going through the journey of writing this book that I was really attempting to merge these two loves. And, uh, you know, my experience in the dance world and having interviewed a lot of other dancers as well, is, is, is a co- it's a complex look at that world, both the costs and the privileges of being, um, you know, in that world at a high level and, and celebrated to a certain extent. And so, but really, you know, one of my goals was just in terms of as an artist to try to convey you know, really what is a kinesthetic reality that it's very hard to put into words. So thank you. And how do the two disciplines compare to you, you know, dancing and writing? I mean, do you feel some of the same things you felt, let's say when you did a very successful dance, when you write a beautiful paragraph, or I'm just wondering, you know, does it give you that same satisfaction of creating something or you know, what is it like for you to go from one to the other? At the core, there's a similarity. I think if you're an artist, you know, at, at the core, you're trying to bring something into the world. You're trying to communicate. Um, for me, I'm very interested in aesthetics and beauty. I think that was one of my fascinations with, even at a very young age, with that world, you know, the sort of pursuit of a kind of beauty, but in in a, in a sublime sense of beauty and so I am I I transferred that over to the writing world as well which probably I also realize now had to do with how long it took me to write this book because for many years when I started writing I would just try to write beautiful 
sentences. I love words. I would spend hours just really putting together what seemed to me a beautiful paragraph. And I came to a point after years and years of doing this of having a lot of beautiful writing, but no story. And I kind of had to come to a reckoning at a certain point um, and ask myself, am I going to be a professional writer? Am I going to be a novelist? Um, That was another big step. And actually, when I had to talk, um, you know, (laughs) seriously to myself about this, I needed to, in the end, kind of, I ended up throwing out a lot of the beautiful writing. And I realized I needed to, in order to receive the story and let the story take me and the characters take me, I had to let go of of this attempt to make something beautiful. So I don't know, that was a really interesting lesson as as a creator. Well, the whole idea of beauty is something that you really explore in the novel and it seems as if all of the characters the main characters they have a different idea of what that is and I'm pretty I'm thinking of Mira uh, her mom Rachel and Maurice why was that something that you wanted to explore in your writing because I just thought it was interesting that they were all uh, well Mira and Maurice they they were striving they wanted this this beauty but they seem to have different ideas about exactly what it was it's such an interesting question and I don't know if I can even answer it in 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 a way that's satisfactory to that's would be satisfactory to myself um you know with as with most books you know that that make it their way into this world this was a book that I I, I sort of had to write. I, I was compelled to write it. I actually tried not to write it. I, I never wanted to write about ballet. I wanted to be a different kind of writer. I actually even, um, you know, I, I just, I, I wanted to write a, just a very different kind of book. And I just failed at, at all of that. And this story and these characters and this world that I had inhabited as a young person and then just really put, tried to just get past, that would not leave me alone. So the emotional truth of the book, you know, the sort of journey back in, into my childhood and, and even though it's fiction, you know, the concerns and the emotional truth and the kind of wrestling with a past idea of a self and, and ambition, uh, childhood ambition and aspiration, all of that felt very real and necessary. Um, in terms of beauty, the the kind of beauty in ballet, it's a very particular kind of beauty. It's not, it's not a, it's not the mainstream in our culture. You know, celebrity type of beauty. There's there's a kind of spiritual aspect to it. I think that um, is not talked about that often. Um, you know, a longing for something that that is impossible. You know, it's about it, the impossibility of, of ideals, essentially, and reckoning with that um, because even the most gifted ballet dancers, you know, who can contain that, who are, who are somehow gifted with being able to contain this, this impossible ideal of beauty for a time, you know, their careers, you know, they're really over by the time they're 40 or so... 
so I guess I was exploring, you know, our ideal selves, um, whether it's beauty or, perf- you know, any kind of perfection. Um, athletics is about that too, you know, these kind of peak moments. And then really I think what was compelling to me was how then as you leave that world, you know, and, and the possibility of that, how do you recover humanity because the thing is that and ballet dancers know this you almost have to put parts of your humanity your complex humanity on hold as you sublimate to achieve um this impossible ideal and that was very interesting for me to explore um as a writer because that's a form unlike ballet you know where you can really get into the complexities of that so i don't know if i did i answer your question no, I feel like you did. Um, I, I was wondering about something else you said, though. You you mentioned that you didn't want to write about about ballet. You kind of ran away from that. Why did you not want to write about it? It seems like it would be natural, you know, given your background. Well, I just my personal story was that I left that world in a in in a kind of um, you know difficult way. I. I had an eating disorder, and I had been on a scholarship um, to a, you know, an elite program uh, company and a sort of apprenticeship program. So at 15, I, if I continued on that track, I would have needed to leave school. Um, I liked school, and I just had become very unhappy in that world, um, and. So I just had a lot of problems, and I had this this eating disorder too, and so I ha- I just sort of I, I left in a very like bitter and angry way um, that I never processed because that's the other thing about ballet. And I talk to former dancers, and they say to me, you know, thank you for writing this book because you know there's a lot of attention to the glories of 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 success in this world, but you know how do we heal? when we whatever at whatever way you come out of it and it's very common to come out with injuries or other kinds of difficulties so I just I think on a personal level I and then I ended up having uh, a medical a tumor on my shin non-cancerous but so I just had a lot of difficulties that I was trying to sort of put behind me I think and recreate a different sense of self as a writer and and from a different place um, and so for me to go back into that past self and I think it just it just was hard just just I just had to do a lot of emotional work so the other thing is I think I was in my 30s no I was in my 20s early 30s when I started working with this material and I was at um, Stanford I was at the Stegner program and I just felt like writing about ballet was not sophisticated. It wasn't in, it wasn't like a proper subject for literary fiction. I hadn't read any books at that time, you know, that were set in that world. So I, 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 I actually kind of looked down on it as something overly feminine probably too. And so, um, and then early on I tried to get some grants with some of this material and I never, I, I never could get any traction with it. So that's why I say I ended up having to pursue it sort of despite a lot of early failure. Well, throughout the book, uh, we see you go back and forth from the 70s to the present. 
and the chapters often alternate. So we have this third person account of Mira living in New York City during the ballet craze of the 70s. And then we go to a first person account of Kate living as a professor in the present who's having trouble coping with her past. Why did you decide to take readers back and forth like that in time and to use a different point of view for both of the sections? Um, the structure emerged organically and over a period of years I wrote Mira's story first um, I actually started trying to write a memoir from this material and it never really went anywhere and then I um, Mira kind of emerged out of that material and then the book really took off when I let myself go into her story she really goes places I never did um, Maurice is a fictional character so I wrote her whole storyline and then I had a child and I realized that the book still wasn't finished and at the same time I started getting this other voice this first person voice very different sort of cynical older woman and I despite the fact that people did not like her I showed it to some early readers and they said this woman is really difficult you know I I don't think you're gonna ever get this published but I felt very strongly that I had to now follow Kate's story in the same way I did Mira's story so I did not even know the connection between Kate and Mira when I started writing Kate's story and in terms of it being in first person literally that is how I heard her voice so it was really a pleasure, actually, to write Kate's story because the book started to take shape. And as a frame, it's, I could then interweave her story with Mira's story. And there were mystery elements that I was figuring out at the same time that I was writing it. And it was very, that part of the process was really exciting. And I, I felt very um, confident that, that I had a book at that point. Well, through Mira's story, we see this girl who is just so desperate to be seen, so desperate to be chosen, and she just, she has this deep desire for attention, which she doesn't seem to get from her parents, who are estranged, and this is how she notices Maurice for the first time, because he seems to really see her, you know, when she's dancing, when she's practicing. And that affects how she sees herself. So much has been written about, you know, women and how we're impacted by the male gaze. Why was this something that you wanted to, you know, really look at very closely in this novel? Because we see that, you know, throughout for her, um, it's just... She just, it's just something inside of her. She has this, um, and it affects her in so many ways, and a lot of them negative. Yeah, it's a difficult topic, and I think that was part of the difficulty in writing it was being honest about that as a feminist and, you know, a, a woman who had struggled to, you know, just be, uh, feel empowered. Um, I didn't want to admit in a sense that um, for this girl, for my character, that to be seen was just so central. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right that that is the core of her, her need. Her core need is that to be seen, and not just in a physical way, but her, her entire being. And unfortunately for her, she has 
it's compensatory. So she has a really difficult home life. Her parents are separating. She she's adrift and into that place you know she's also gifted so it's a combination of not having other support systems or or parental you know oversight um she's adrift in a world that is and this is the truth of that world is certainly at that time will will take you know it's 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 amoral, you know, and in some ways making art is amoral, like the art gods, you know, they, they will take what they can out of the material that they have, and choreographers talk about that. I mean, choreographers, dancers are their material. The bodies of dancers are actually the material from which they make art. So you're in some very difficult territory, and at a, for a young person, girls and boys, you don't know what's normal. You don't know what is okay to be asked. And if you're driven to pursue art at this level, you know, there's also a, adults and children are, are, there isn't the same kind of disconnect because you're united in a pursuit. So all kinds of weird boundaries can be stepped on, um, crossed in that world, which was interesting to me as a novelist. Um, so for Mira to be looked at, you know, having this core need that has not been met by her home life, it's, it, it, it really leads to some very tragic consequences. And uh, Maurice is also a tragic figure, I, I think. You know, I don't think he's a monster. I've been asked that question. And I think he's a damaged person who is trying to pursue... Um, a kind of healing. He had a difficult childhood and his father left early on. His father was the one who introduced him to the ballet world and he was at Ballet de Maine, which is a tradition. He was French. Um, it comes from Europe way back. And so these two people are, you know, separated by all these decades, but they, they, they sort of come together in an attempt to almost heal each other. But unfortunately, they are really lost in that. And, and there is some real tragic there is a tragic consequence well throughout the novel as I was reading there so many times because for so much of the novel Mira is 11 but it's so easy to forget that she is 11 because she doesn't seem to be treated like an 11 year old by her parents or by you know the people who are training her for dance Um, was that idea of someone being a child but not being treated by a child and in many ways not acting like a child even was that something that you wanted to you know really take a look at maybe from your background in dance that when you're very gifted a lot of pressure is put on you and it seems like that's something interesting to explore as a writer yes absolutely I thought it was so interesting because my memories of being a child in that world were almost like it was almost like the most power that I ever had in my life and probably will ever have because and not just me but you know having some amount of talent and having this gift and having you know it attached to a body in time and in space it has to be a young body 
And for me, it had to be before puberty because at puberty, my body really changed. And then there's a loss of that power, um, very abrupt too, which is a very interesting thing to happen as well and very complicated from the standpoint of feminism and being becoming a woman and having there be a loss of power associated with that is anyway it's really gets into some interesting stuff but yes Mira Mira and girls and young boys in that world they're not treated as children and they have a sense of their power though maybe not a not able to be fully responsible or know the consequences of that power. It's, it can make for really great fiction. Maurice's obsession with Mira really reminded me um, of Lolita a bit when, as I was reading. Was that an influence for you in you know creating Maurice or just in writing the story? Your questions are just great, Marva. You you really get this book. <laughs> Thank um, you. I, I really enjoyed it. As I said before we started taping, I had not read a dance book before. Yeah. And I really didn't know what to think just because it was such a new world for me. Yeah. But I was very, like, taken with it. And, and, and very, I felt very much like, oh, this is really intriguing because it was it was so new. And you, you really write about it so, so well. Well, Again, it's just so gratifying to hear that because I really wanted to create a kind of human drama set in the dance world. Not For a long time, I resisted this idea. I was even writing a dance book, but of course it is a dance book. Um, But yes, I mean, it's set in the dance world, but we have this very compelling human drama, this young girl who has this power, but as readers, we're almost afraid of that for her because we can see as adults that she doesn't know what to do with it and she doesn't have the best judgment and we don't blame her but it's just the fact and then we have this Maurice character who's who's a damaged individual and is searching on his own and he's projecting a lot onto her and his own sexuality he hasn't he fully owned that or explored that there's just there's a lot here right and I was worried for her I was worried for him I did realize at some point that yes I read Lolita in my 20s and I had a violent reaction to it I despised it I was so angry by that book I hurled it across the room I could not finish it and I think that it touched something really really deeply in me that um, I wanted to write back I wanted to write a response to Lolita I wanted the girl's point of view. I didn't want to see her from through the eyes of Humbert Humbert or or the writer even, Um, that writer. And so I I did write partly as an act of rage, I think, and and taking back um, the power. And I felt strongly that Mira was not, she's not a victim she's an actor in her own story and that complexifies obviously what happens more but it was very clear to me that that had to be the case okay uh sari let's just switch gears now and talk about what you like to read um what was the first thing you read that really 
resonated with you and just still stays with you to this day? What's coming to mind are Toni Morrison novels I read in my 20s. I think all of them. Beloved in particular, um, which has a, a kind of ghost story mystery frame. I read a lot of interviews with Toni Morrison too, where she talks about uh, withholding information and creating a sense of mystery in her books, and she's an avid mystery novel novel reader. Anyway, t- so Toni Morrison novels, Haruki Murakami. I'm a huge Haruki Murakami fan. Um, the Wind Up Bird Chronicles still have that book. All of Tobias Wolf. He was my professor at Stanford. His work has been really influential to me. A Boy's Life, This Boy's Life. Such a great book. Well, if you were in a situation where you could no longer read any new work, but instead you could only read books you've read in the past, uh, and you could only read three of them, which three would you choose? Now you could, you know, read these books as much as you like. You could read them over and over again, but that would just be it. Or do you have three that uh, come to mind immediately? Oh, such a painful question for a writer. <laughs> um, Anna Karenina by Tolstoy. I I I learned so much from reading that book, and it has such a wide breadth um so many characters he explores so much about the human condition um and also I would say the middle class the upper class you know I I did grow up middle class upper class and I'm very interested in class um I am not that now as a writer I it's not possible in the same way, but um, I'm just really interested in, in, in that, you know, the permutations of class um, in America. So that, um, I'm going to say Zora Neale Hurston. I read so much of Zora Neale Hurston, also in my 20s, very formative time for me in my 20s when I first started writing. Um, language. Uh, she was a dancer, actually, Zora Neale Hurston as well. So I find language, dialogue, the power of personal story, creating myth out of out of personal hardship. Um, yeah, and yeah. So I would say, their eyes were watching God. And also Middlemarch by George Eliot, because so much about the female condition is still so relevant in, in, in Middlemarch. What are you working on right now? Do you have a new project? I'm starting a new novel, and it's great to be at AWP because I feel really inspired to to work on it it's it's not set in the dance world and so it's it's very different um and it's really it's it's sort of the characters are there waiting for me 
can't say very much about it because it's so early. Um, and then I'm also writing essays and I'm promoting the paperback, which just came out two weeks ago. And so I've been writing essays about dance, the pursuit of beauty, you know, a lot of the issues, childhood um, ambitions. So a lot of the issues that have come out of this book and seem really compelling to people. Um, I'm trying to explore those in the essay form. And what are you reading now? Right now I'm reading um, a book called Dear Thief by Samantha Harvey. She's a British novelist um, and I'm not sure how well known. The book was recommended by a friend and I'm really enjoying it. And next up I'm going to read Swing Time by Zadie Smith because it also has a dance uh well, not just because of that, but, but I'm interested in how she, her characters, she explores the dance world, too. Okay, well, Siri Wilson, thank you so much for stopping by to chat with us here during uh, AWP. It's really been great talking to you. Such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Please go to our website, readmorepodcast.com, to find out how you can win a free signed copy of Girl Through Glass. You can also follow us on Twitter at Read More Podcast and like us on Facebook. Join us again in two weeks for another edition of the show that brings readers and writers together. Until then, I'm Marva Hinton, reminding you to read more.